The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one of whom I said, A man is coming after me, who ranks ahead of me, because he existed before me. I did not know him, but the reason why I came baptizing with water was that he might be made known to Israel. John testified further, saying, I saw the Spirit come down like a dove from heaven and remain upon him. I did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, On whomever you see the Spirit come down and remain, he is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Now I have seen and testified that he is the Son of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Have you ever made a first impression you wish you could take back? I'm just thinking, ah, oh, that's not how I wanted that to go. In our readings today, we kind of hear these first impressions coming up. We, we see that in Paul writing to the, the Corinthians. That's his first letter. It's the introductory part. And he's trying to get as much clarity out front as possible. Like, hey, I'm Paul. This is my story. The same with John the Baptist here in, in John's Gospel. He's having his first impression, his first adult impression of who Jesus is, and he wants others to know about it, and it's really beautiful. And there's a lot we could take into the reading today. There's a lot we could dive into, and if I did that, you'd probably just tune me out after about five minutes. So I want to highlight just three points, and hopefully we can stick with it for three. The first is just uh, talking a little bit about ordinary time. The second is talking about the gospel writers and the fact that they write to different audiences. And then the third is testimony and what it means to testify. So first, ordinary time, because we're back. We're back in the green. And we've just been through Advent. We've been through Christmas. We've had all of this really high celebration. And now it's just like, ah, we can rest. This is good. And people think of ordinary time as just whatever. I asked the kids this, actually, this past week. They gave some really great responses. I said, what do you think of ordinary time? They said, it's boring. I said, okay, what else? You, do, you don't do anything. All right, continue. There's, I don't think they just kept giving, like, really good answers. But ordinary time is a season in the church that's calling us to rest and prepare for the next big season which is Lent. If you think about the seasons, there are times to plant, there are times to grow, times to harvest, times to then clean all that up. And ordinary time is the really beautiful point where we rest, clean up, or prepare. So we've just come out of major seasons, and we should reap those benefits. But we also need to just take a breath and just be calm and realize we don't have to be doing a million things at one time. So that's the gift of ordinary time, is it calls us to, to just prepare for another season. All right, now the gospel writers. You probably know this, there are four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But did you know that each of them writes to a particular type of audience? That what they say and how they say it is actually meant to be aimed for particular people. So, quick breakdown. 
Matthew is often writing to other Jewish people. And how do we know that? Because in his language, in what he writes, he uses the phrase, thus it is fulfilled. Why he says that is because the Jewish people, they're waiting for a Messiah. They're waiting for the Savior. And he's trying to tell them, guess what? It's happened. Jesus is that Messiah. He's done it. So he's trying to remind and show them that the Savior has arrived. The theme that, he con- that is often brought up in that gospel is the kingdom of heaven. Again, the idea is that they're waiting for this kingdom of heaven. They're waiting for a Savior. They're waiting for the Messiah. He's saying the kingdom of heaven is here now, that you are a part of it now, that it's existing now. We don't have to wait any longer. So that's Matthew's kind of point. He's writing to the Jewish people to affirm and to encourage in them the the reality that Jesus is Messiah, the kingdom of heaven is here. Mark is likely writing to the Gentile people in the Imperial Roman Empire. So we know the Gentiles are non-believers. They don't have particular gods or faith. And he's, the reason we say that is because he's often explaining to them the Jewish customs. He's saying, this is what we do, this is why we do it. And he, in his themes, often portrays a lot of Jesus' mighty works, a lot of his miracles, a lot of things he's doing, like the big stuff. Because he's trying to show these non-believers, guess what? There's a Messiah, there's a King, there's a Savior. His name is Jesus, he's the Son of God, and he's here for you. So he's wanting them to see all that. Luke, also probably writing to the Gentile world, but could also be writing to people who have a certain knowledge of Scripture. Reason for that is um, he talks a lot about the theme of salvation, and he uses Old Testament often to reference back to that. And so the salvation to the Gentiles is, again, there is someone who has come who has given his life for you. So we've got Jewish people, we've got Gentiles in the Roman Empire, we've got other Gentiles, but people who know Scripture, we've got the kingdom of heaven, we've got Jesus' major works, we've got salvation, and then we get John. John's special. Of course he's special. Why wouldn't he be special? He's the beloved disciple. Whatever. Okay, moving on. So John, it's interesting, he writes to Jews, but he also, this is going to sound like an oxymoron, He writes to Jewish Christians, meaning he's writing to the earliest of Christians who are coming from Judaism and have accepted Jesus as the Savior. So the people who have followed after him, the early disciples, he's writing to them. The theme in John's gospel is that God as family— Nearly every chapter is, is, has some type of familial language. And that God wants to have this relationship with us. Okay, so we've got uh, Matthew, the Jewish people in the kingdom of heaven. Mark to the Gentiles in the Roman Empire with uh, Jesus' major works. Luke to Gentiles and people that have a knowledge of scripture with salvation. And then John to Jews and Jewish Christians as God is family. Why is all that important? Because in all of these gospels, there is a certain testimony being provided. There's a certain teaching 
about who Jesus is. When we think of testifying, think of testimony, maybe we think about that in a civil sense, right? If you have to go to court and be a witness for something, you give testimony, you provide knowledge of what you've seen and experienced. The gospel writers are doing the same thing. They're testifying to all these different audiences, all these different people about who Jesus is, what he's done, and what the whole purpose of his coming into the world is about. So when we get to John's gospel today, we hear about John the Baptist who testifies to Jesus, to, the other, to, to his people. He's giving witness of, of what God is doing. The cool thing about John the Baptist is that he never once really directed anything towards himself. He always redirected it back to guys like, look, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, right? He is coming to do this. You know, I'm, I'm this person, but he's this person. He's always redirecting us back to God's work in his life. So now the third point, to offer testimony, to testify. Because as Christians, this is something we all can and should do. Testimony is not something that glorifies our failures. It's not something that um, puts us down, but it's something that elevates God's work in our lives and what we've recognized. So the Acts of the Apostles gives a really beautiful and simple four-part example of how to offer testimony. First, you talk about the life you had before you knew Christ, or the life you had before Christ was an intentional part of your life. Next, you talk about what was that, that turning point, that conversion, that, that point where, you know, you decided to make God intentional, that you decided to follow after. And then, talk about life as it has been with Christ in it. The last part's the best part because the last part is invitation. We have to then offer invitation to others to to be able to say, hey, this is what my life was like before. This is where it changed. This is what it's like now. You should be a part of it. This is good. So example, my life before Christ was pretty bland. I focused on sports and school, and that was my focus. That was my concern. I like to call those years of my life the black and white years. My life that turned was in college, and it was because of friends, people who said, hey, we're going to Mass. You should come. Hey, we're going to do this Bible study. You should join us. Hey, you should be a part of campus ministry. And I did it. That turning point involved a lot of people and involved a, a period of time, like three years. Life now with Christ is like the technicolor years, you know? So it went from meh to woohoo! And the technicolor years have been this even bigger opening up of, okay, God, like, what do you want to do? It's like, all right, you're going to be a youth director. It's like, what is that? You're going to work with young people. Okay, did not think about that. Hey, you should consider being a priest. I don't think you're right, but I'll try it anyway. And now, like, we're here. But now, my whole life, aside from that testimony, is invitation. So my invitation to you today is to consider what your testimony is. To consider who your audience is. We recognize the gospel writers had a lot of audiences. You have lots of audiences. You probably have people who are fallen away Catholics. People who are brothers and sisters in Christ. 
people who are non-believers, people from other faith denominations, other faith traditions, people in your workplace, people in your schools, people in your social circles. There's lots of people, lots of audiences, and your testimony will differ slightly based off of each of them. But your life before, that turning point in your life now, that's all the same. And some of you might be thinking, well, I was born Catholic, I was raised Catholic, I never really had this. But, but there was a point where you decided to say, Lord, you get more from me. Lord, I'm going to give you more. Lord, I, I want you to have more. And that's the turning point. That's the intentionality. And it might be where, you know, you're in a place where it's like, I don't know what this looks like. And that's okay because you're on a journey still. Like, we're all on journeys. But ordinary time is a time to prepare for the next major part of our season. The gospel writers witness to us the fact that we are called to, to, to offer testimony of what God is doing to many types of people. And the stone-cold fact is all of you are the prime movers to give testimony. Because what God has done in one of your lives, he's not done in another's life. And what's done in one of your lives is going to impact someone else versus that person over there. You get it? Good. It's exciting. So the challenge for this week is to take some time to just reflect, to contemplate, and to think, how was my life like, you know, here, before I, I really allowed the Lord to be intentionally a part of it? What was that point that, or points even, where there is that shift? Who was involved in that? How do I talk about that? And now, what is my life looking like now? What was the thing that's sustained me, that's helped me? And who are the people I can invite into this? Who are the people I'm called to share this with? That's the beautiful part, because we never just want to keep it to ourselves. John the Baptist didn't want to just keep that to himself. He said, hey, look! Everyone, follow him. Don't follow me anymore. He's the guy. Do we redirect people back to God? And do we allow the things he's done in our lives to be witness and testimony so that others can come to know him? Brothers and sisters, I expect next week the church will be twice as full because you'll have invited many people. I'll prepare for it. Because you always prepare and anticipate the coming rainfall. I know it's coming. But we have to see in ourselves how the Lord has moved and how he's continuing to move. So may we have the courage to offer testimony to what God is doing and continues to do in our lives.